The only 12 grammar rules you need for teaching English by Patrick Sheriff. The links that are referred to here are at the website if you want them. Um, freetalktefl.substack.com Okay, I'll begin. What's stopping you from starting your English teaching business? Is it because you don't know the basics of how to teach? I've written a post about that here. Unsure where to get your first students from? Listen to this. Don't know how much to charge? I got you covered here. So what's really bothering you? Is it that you fear students' questions you might get about grammar that you won't know how to answer? Be honest. You don't know your split infinitives from your dangling participles, do you? Fear not. You'll get better at answering grammar questions with experience. But until you have that experience, here's my cheat sheet of all of the dozen basic grammar rules of English. Think of it as a reverse 80-20 rule. These are the 20% of the grammar rules that will allow you and your students to speak English in 80% or more of situations. You can do this, really. Let me elaborate. Number one, grammar terms. Don't obsess about the correct grammar terms for all the parts of speech. Just know the basics, which are all here in this sample sentence with basic grammar terms after each relevant word. A, indefinite article, nervous, adjective, teacher, noun, stared, verb, unhappily, adverb, at, preposition, the, definite article, student, object. <laughs> the verbs are the key to understanding most grammar problems because they have different tenses and you and your students eventually should know the main ones and when we use them in English. Here goes. Two, present continuous, used for what is happening right now. For example, I am writing a blog post while my wife is sleeping. Can also be used to talk about the future, as if in a diary entry. My wife is seeing her lawyer tomorrow at 9am. 3. Simple present, used to express habitual actions. For example, I speak English every day. Remember, third person, that's he, she, it, uses an extra S. She usually speaks... Japanese to the cats. Four, simple past. Used to show something that happened in the past and is totally finished now. For example, I went to America last year. I lost my credit card in San Francisco. Five, present perfect. Present perfect is used to show experiences and things that started in the past but still have an effect on the present. She has eaten natto. I have lived with her since 2007. Have you ever been to Mito, home of Nato? By the way, all verbs have three parts. For example, eat, ate, eaten, that's irregular verbs. Or play, played, played, that's regular verbs. Just to confuse you, been is the past participle for the verb go. For example, go, went, been. And the verb to be, are, were, been. Confused? <laughs> Number six, <clears throat> future with going to. 
used when there is a plan for the future or there is something about now that has an impact on the future. For example, I'm going to see my pals in Lopongi tonight. It's going to rain, according to my phone. Usually pronounced gonna, going to, is gonna. Seven, simple future, that's future with will. Used for anything that there's no plan for, or you're making a prediction. Is that the phone? I will answer it. There's no way that I will ever run for president of the USA. Enough of the tenses. There are more, but they're all rather nuanced and less useful, so it can be avoided in lessons most of the time. Let's move on to articles, a and the. The basic difference is that a is for unspecified things and the for specified things. I saw a dog in the road. It's one of any number of dogs. It's not important which one. The dog didn't see me. We know that I'm talking about the same dog from the first sentence. There are many more nuanced differences and usages that seem contradictory. Frankly, it's rarely worth going down this grammar hole because if the students can't grasp the differences, being told a bunch of long-winded grammar rules won't help them. Best to say it all becomes clearer the more you use them. A bit like the difference between wa and ga in Japanese. Number nine, countable and uncountable. Every noun is either countable or uncountable. If you can make a plural of it, then it's countable. For example, dogs, pineapples, textbooks. You would use words like many, few, and fewer for countable nouns. Uncountable nouns are those that you can't make plurals of. For example, freedom, pineapple juice, money. You can count yen or dollars, but you can't count money. One money, two monies. You would use words like much and less with uncountable nouns. Some, a lot, and lots, uh, sorry, lots of, can be used with countable and uncountable nouns. It all gets a bit confusing as we often break the rules. For example, go get three coffees from the, from the shop. Or, I have less cups than you. But the rules are still there for anyone who wants to apply them. Number ten. Passive voice. Most language is in the active voice, but passive is used when we don't care so much about who or what is doing the action. For example, natto is eaten in Japan. Dutch was taught in Nagasaki. Japanese has been spoken in Hawaii since the 1980s. 11. Comparatives and superlatives. Short adjectives of two or fewer syllables generally follow this pattern. Cheap, cheaper, the cheapest. Longer adjectives use more or less for comparatives and the most, the least for superlatives. Cheeseburgers are less expensive than sushi. Yakisoba is the least expensive junk food. 12. The apostrophe. Used to show missing letters. For example, I'm so hot but she's so cold, or to show possession. The rule for where to put it is before the S if the subject is singular, or after the S if the subject is plural. Doesn't matter if the subject is singular or plural. So the cat's toys, that's cat apostrophe S, means only one cat, many toys. The cat's toys, that's apostrophe after the S, many cats, many toys. The cat's toy, that's apostrophe after the S, 
Many cats, only one toy. <laughs> There's one exception. It's, with no apostrophe, is possession. Despite no apostrophe, its toys are on the table. And it's, it is, that's the apostrophe, <laughs> it apostrophe s means it is. It's a crazy cat, for sure. Whew, that's difficult to understand if you're listening, isn't it? Okay, do you have to teach your students these 12 grammar rules explicitly? You could, but I don't think most students or teachers need to know all the grammar terms. You should have a grasp of how these dozen work and think through your own examples to have the confidence to do your thing in the classroom. But the important thing is now you know the basics, please do go do your thing.